Hi, and welcome back to the Leasing Language and Literature Podcast with me, Chris Jordan. In this episode, I'm speaking with Kate Beatty. Kate is the first returning guest I've had on the podcast and one I'm always very pleased to speak with about all things MYP. Kate is an IB consultant, workshop leader, IB school accreditation team leader, and program leader, executive coach, and author of educational resources, including the In Thinking MYP English Language and Literature website. For this episode, I wanted Kate to guide me through her thoughts on an NYP unit I had constructed with any of the salient strengths and weaknesses that she could see. Additionally, I wanted to pose a few questions based on the work that she's done for the In Thinking NYP site to better broaden my knowledge of English language and literature in the NYP. We discuss how she feels about the suitability of the statement of inquiry, questions and grasps I've used in the unit, the fact that a number of different facts or skills are taught in a direct and teacher-led manner, what Kate thinks of the ATLs and the way they've been implemented in the unit, Kate's general opinion of PowerPoints and other materials being used to communicate the course's knowledge, skills and tasks, on the MYP and thinking site, Kate's decision to offer units that fall into key concepts outside the typical creativity, communication, connection, perspective uh, associated with language and literature ordinarily. And staying with the site, given that Kate has offered units on some classic topics of English study, how does she go about ensuring that such a unit has a conceptual lens, connects to global contexts, and has an authentic assessment? Thanks again to Kate for guiding the way through the rewarding but challenging experience of NYP curriculum construction. All of the materials mentioned in this episode will be linked to in the show notes for anyone who wants to refer to them. If you want to be kept up to date on when educational chat like this happens, then be sure to subscribe to the podcast and or follow me on Twitter at ChrisJordanHK. Okay, Kate, so looking at the unit planner that I sent you and you were kind enough um, to look at, the statement of inquiry um, is communities create heroic characters and carefully structured stories to express cultural beliefs and values. How do you feel about the suitability of that statement of inquiry? Um, Well, thank you, Chris, and I'm really happy to be having this conversation with you. Yes, it's an interesting statement of inquiry, and it's very appropriate for language and literature. We have to keep in mind that um, the MYP um, evaluating unit planners document to have um, in the right-hand column there, so the, the leading level of statement of inquiry, would be one that is broad and transferable to other subject areas. And therefore, as a rule of thumb, I always advise teachers to remove subject-specific vocabulary. So that, in this case, would be the the writers and stories and create a very broad statement for the statement of inquiry that goes into the planner. So I did rewrite it beforehand, Uh and I did... um, The one I created was creating characters and structured works can express cultural values. So this would be a statement of inquiry that potentially, for example, could connect with an arts subject. I'm thinking about visual arts there. 
Having said that, that we create for the purpose of the unit planner, these very broad transferable statements to encourage interdisciplinary connections with other subject areas. My advice to teachers is to create a subject specific version as um, you've done here in this particular unit planner to share in the classroom with students. Um, because if we share those very broad statements with students, they're going to wonder exactly what the focus of the inquiry is. But if we take the broad version and we make it subject specific for our students, they're going to understand exactly um, what we want them to inquire into in the unit. Mm, okay, lovely, Claire. Um, and then you then obviously have the kind of inquiry questions later on, so the factual the debatable and, and the conceptual. So for the factual, I've just gone with what parts of speech and language devices are needed? How do we structure to create effective stories? Do they work as factual questions? Perfect. So this, these factual questions are the knowledge mm -hmm. um, or some of the knowledge. These are the big questions. So the big elements of knowledge we want students to um connect with in the unit. There may very well be wider knowledge. Um, these are the, the smaller questions that we will add um, to the second part of the planner, the content learning process, but the, the big elements of knowledge for this unit. And um, apart from um, the fact that these questions, there should be a maximum of two of each type, um, there are no other specific rules for the unit planning. Ah. Yes. Well, do, you, do you advise people during the kind of workshops and stuff, Kate, to include as much of the key concepts, related concepts or global context within the questions? So naturally, the key and related concepts and the global context exploration, because mm. we're choosing an exploration, and um, any of those could be created by the teacher if the ones that we're provided with do not quite um, hit the point. But we would expect to see in the conceptual questions, the debatable questions, which really are conceptual questions, but with perspectives um, and built into them, we're expecting to see elements of the concepts and the global context exploration there. I see. And if so... They're the unpacking, the subject-specific unpacking of the statement of inquiry. I see. So the conceptual and debatable ones that I've got here, which, I mean, people can look at if they look at the document I've kind of um, linked to in the show notes, would they also be appropriate? Things like why is it important yes. for us to share our cultural yes. studies? I see. Okay. Yes. Um, and, they, and that debatable questions, that, that's great. That's very interesting for um, mm -hmm. the students to debate her. Cool. Um, the grasps thing, I imagine, is something that you must have kind of like discussed and debated with teachers a lot. It certainly gets a lot of um, discussion amongst my department and with, with other teachers that I've kind of spoken to who teach the MYP. Um, what do you make it? Because the, the thing I find hardest, um, Kate, with regard to uh, language and literature and the grasps when it comes to authenticity, I think it's so easy to do one for let's say it's like a rhetorical thing i think that's very easy i find it more difficult when it's a story 
or a, you know, like a narrative or a descriptive. I find it hard to find an authentic situation to 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 sort of uh, place that in. For this one, I've put, you know, the situation is or that your goal is to pass on heroic stories to um, the next generation of students about your culture. Um, the situation is you're trying to help people to connect with their heritage and you're going to write this story and that's the vehicle for doing so. What What do you think of that grasp? Yeah. So if I if I start off very generally, um, the purpose of the assessment is to perform students' understanding of the statement of inquiry or part of the statement of inquiry. And the key word there is performance. So students are actually um, showing their what they know, what they understand, what they can do through this performance. And the structure we all know and love um, is um, grasps because grasps puts the students in a real world situation. They take a role, they have the audience, they've got the product. We don't have to use grasps, um, but it's a good way of creating that. And um, I do want to say at this point that um, whilst I love grasps assessments, um, if we are thinking about the continuum and progression of learning um, to the diploma program, there are skills that students need to develop, um, analytical, oral and written and comparative skills for the diploma program. So we do need to keep that in mind. And whilst a grasps assessment is a great strategy for our NYP units, we need a balance of assessment um, because these skills are very going to be very important for our students. So looking at this specific um, grasps assessment, um, yes, with creative um, tasks, um, often our students will become writers, authors, poets, and um, we have lots of competitions. Um, it, this one's interesting because these students are going to um, create the story about the hero and they've got that choice there. Are they going to um, continue with um, what they've been creating formatively in class? Are they going to take a step further? This is where you've included the differentiation. Are they going to research their own modern day hero to create that story? Um, but what I find interesting here is there is a possible service um, element, a connection there that students could create these stories and then they could share them with other students, younger students within the school community. Um, so you've got a, a lovely connection in there with service learning and the possibilities. But also the um, there is this opportunity for inclusion and differentiation that students can go a step further and they can look at modern day heroes and they can create their um, assessment um, through um, that research opportunity. So, so I really like it. Um, when I'm checking units, I look at the statement of inquiry and I read it carefully 
And then I go to the performance of understanding. So the summative assessments, and I read them. And then I go back to the statement of inquiry. And what I'm looking for is that close connection where the performance of understanding is actually connected to the inquiry. It doesn't have to be the whole inquiry of the statement of inquiry, but this is our expectation. And then if we look in the middle at the formative assessments, um, I like to see that we're preparing students for their summative assessment, that we've got this evidence of learning that's ongoing in the unit. Mm. That, it's funny you say that about the, the kind of um, service opportunity we are looking into walking down the road to the feeder primary school to be able to kind of share the stories between the little year sevens and kind of go and see the year sixes and fives and fours. So, um, yeah, the service opportunity was definitely at the forefront of our mind when we were planning that. So it's interesting you picked up on that. Um, the, the second question I had for you, um, okay, thank you for that advice, is is around, I suppose, the inquiry process in, in general. There's, I'm actually doing a master's at the moment that looks at the nature of inquiry in different subjects in secondary our secondary school, not just English. And one of the things that I'm interested in is, because the IB itself or the NYP guide talks a lot about, front, not a lot, but it mentions front loading and facts and, and things like that. And I am aware of the fact that because this is unit one of a year seven, um, in year seven rather, I'm kind of having to check for understanding first. They might know these things already, but my in my experience, they don't. So what is a noun? What is a verb? What is an adjective? And how can you use those things to? And it necessarily means that I feel like there's a lot of teacher in, um, teacher-led instruction like direct instruction i suppose is this okay given that they'll go on to produce something that is born out of inquiries into other matters yeah well it's a it's a good question isn't it what should the balance be between teacher led instruction and student inquiry and a long time ago i had those questions myself and i went back into the research and the literature. And um, I, I looked at it and I looked at um, connections between inquiry and teacher-led instruction. And what I found was that there never was um, the intention that um, students would just be let loose to inquire mm the teacher facilitating that we we will have in our classrooms a balance there there will be times where we directly instruct our class a group an individual and other times when students will be involved in a process of inquiry and um, there are different levels of inquiry and I think for many teachers coming to inquiry for the first time, their image is of free inquiry where students create questions and mm. students answer questions and the teacher's hiding under the table and <laughs> the kids are climbing the walls. Um, and that doesn't represent the reality of our classrooms. A free inquiry would be really represented by the personal project or the extended essay. Um, 
where the students do create their questions and then they research them um, and they write their report or they write their essay. Mostly in our classrooms, we will create the the big questions for our students. Our students may create smaller questions and then we will support our students in the inquiry process. So um, I had an experience a few years ago where a teacher had sent students home on a Friday evening to research, um, shall we say, um, I don't know, I don't want to say the exact situation, to research something. And the parents had spent the whole weekend and ended up contacting the principal. Um, and I was called to a meeting on Monday morning because really that was too free of an inquiry. And those students were year two of the program. So um, we will have a balance between sometimes we will instruct our students directly and other times, um, under our guidance, and particularly with your um, year seven class, the students will engage with inquiry that we have um, organized for them. Um, and we may um, give them quite a lot of guidance with that inquiry, particularly when they're at the beginning of the MYP program. So, um, yeah, we, we're in our classroom. Sometimes we're talking. Sometimes we're guiding students. Other times um, our students are working independently um, with our facilitation. And that's where when they say inquiry is the natural differentiator, we actually at those times have the opportunity to engage with individual students or mm. small groups of students. Mm. Um, for the for the ATLs then, I think for this one, I we went with collect, verify, collect, analyze and verify data or, or another way around and um, plan. So a research skill and a, um, an organization skill. The main reason being that if they're going to go away and research um, things about ancient mythological heroes and things in their own culture, they need some semblance of research skills and, and planning just to be consistently kind of building some of the sentences, words, um, sections of the story that they're going to um, be writing and obviously kind of plan it thoroughly before they actually write it. Um, are they, how do you sort of advise that people deal with the ATLs usually? Um, Kate, is it, should they be out front and centre at the beginning of the unit and you tell students explicitly, are they reflecting on them always? Are they, how, how do you advise people to kind of, um, yeah, signpost the ATLs? So, I mean, to start off with, we're choosing between one and three ATL mm -hmm. skills per summative assessment. And in our case, in the case of language and literature, because we are able to assess multiple objectives and strands um, for each summative assessment, we will connect the ATL skills we choose with one or more strand um, of the assessment objectives, because the aim is that um, we'll teach the ATL skill explicitly um, to enable our students to be successful in um, the summative assessment. And it can be a little confusing because we do assess, and I encourage teachers to assess as many objectives and strands 
as apply to the summative assessment. And for example, with this particular summative assessment for your unit here, it would be possible for students, you've, um, you're assessing BCD, Mm-hmm. And it would actually be a possible to assess criterion A and analyzing by students writing a short reflection on their creative choices or right. stylistic choices in um, this particular task. So we're going to connect them together. And in terms of choosing ATL skills, communication skills are embedded. So if you like, this is the implicit for us. Mm. All of those communication skills are just implicit in our subject area. So I like to encourage teachers to think about my favorite thinking skills. How are we going to teach students to think creatively Mm. Um, or research skills? And how are we going to teach students research skills in our language and literature MYP course over the however many years we've got, and how will we build on this through the program? So possibly creating for each of the categories a scope and sequence relating to our subject area is something that groups of teachers can do together. And then we choose for our unit, this small number of U- of ATL skills. If we have more than one summative assessment, it's going to be more. And we share with our students at the beginning these ATL skills. We ask them to self-reflect, you know, where are we at now? I saw a wonderful example earlier this week um, of a wonderful art teacher. Her name's Kalud. She works in Dubai. She has created in her classroom an ATL wall where she places the ATL skills for the unit. And then students take colored dots. And on another wall, they actually add the colored dot to the wall where they are now. And as they move through the unit and they develop ATL skill, they're, um, they move their dot along the wall. It's one a wonderful, wonderful and creative way of visualizing ATL skill development. So um, many thanks to Kalud for allowing me to share her example. But that is such a visual way of, of doing it. And we come back to the ATL skills that we're developing during the unit and then a reflection, um, a student reflection at the end of the unit. Now, in our unit planner, we've got these ATL skills, but but if you've got more than one teacher teaching um, the same unit, you could agree that you're going to focus on the skills your students need and, and the other teacher or teachers, they choose their own ATL skills that suit their students. And what in terms of to, not to get too kind of officious, but um, if, if you were sending the unit planner off to um, BQC or BCQ, whatever the, the acronym is, are, are you supposed to only have two on the unit planner? Is this more of an unspoken agreement that you have, um, like an under the table agreement, so to speak? Yeah. So the first thing to say is BQC, um, the curriculum review service is ending this summer. Oh. So 
we, you know, many thanks to all the yeah. wonderful viewers who have taken part. And this will in the future be replaced with a monitoring of assessment service. And we used to have prior to BQC beginning, we used to have a monitoring of assessment service where schools and teachers send off assessed student work for um, monitoring and feedback um, from reviewers. So that is what, what's happening. Um, we say as a rule of thumb, one to three ATL skills per summative assessment. Mm. Now, obviously, that there are many, many more ATL skills we focus on during each unit. Certainly, I mean, the whole of the communication category is embedded in our subject area. And just because we've chosen three doesn't mean there aren't others that will come up because we're flexible as teachers. I see. If we, this is slightly kind of a parochial question then, Kate, if um, my school is supposed to be kind of going through the NYP um, audit, is that the right word? Like next year, 2024, who, what, what will that in inspection now look like if it's not a BQC? So is that an evaluation visit? Your school. I think it's like, Next you know, year. like five years since the last one, so to speak. Yeah, so it, this will be an evaluation visit. So, I mean, the school will, well, the first thing to say to you, Chris, is this is a time not to tear units up and write new ones. Okay. This is a time for some stability. Save that until yeah. after the evaluation. So, I mean, you're, you're ensuring that you have your scope and sequence of units in the NYP, that your units are, um, that they include the reflections. So as you them each year I presume that you're adding to the units right. and you're reflecting at the end of the unit on what went well what can be improved next time and perhaps reviewing the sc the scope and sequence we've had changes in the diploma program um, over the last few years we've got um, thinking about the continuum of learning um, preparing students whilst embracing our MYP language and literature course, but making sure that students have the skills they're going to need in the diploma program. A 10-minute oral analysis is quite a, de a demanding task. Comparative essay, global issues. Um, it, it's quite possible without creating a pre-IB course within our M MYP um, courses to make sure that these skills are being developed over time. Mm -hmm. So um, I would say keep doing what you're doing. Um, in terms of the evaluation, um, the evaluation is about the, the whole program at the school, the journey the school has been on in the last um, five years it's a celebration of mm. that journey and then preparing for the next five years and um, you know how the journey is going to develop I'm sure your school has developed its MYP program we've had interdisciplinary units service learning we've we've not stayed still um, since the next chapter was um, introduced in 2014. 
Mm, absolutely. Um, in terms of like a, a bit of a cringy kind of segue, but uh, in terms of not staying still, you've been quite busy, Kate, as well, given the fact that you're obviously working now with um, the In Thinking website and you're kind of contributing to the, the MYP section of the In Thinking um, portal. And I've looked through the site. It's really good. We we kind of took up the option to take um, the, the, the bait when it was in beta um, the department had kind of access to the materials and stuff, and I was looking through it just to get some ideas. And one thing I noticed that, obviously, um, well, for anyone who doesn't know, key concepts um, in language and literature tend to be um, communication, connection, perspective, and creativity. But you can obviously look um, outside of that. And one thing I noticed in terms of the way that the the site was laid out, you'd given loads of examples for units that could have been linked to all of the other um, key concepts that are found in um, other NYP uh, subjects, so to speak. So why was this? Um, why did you decide to do that? And how often do you actually find departments taking up the option to talk about identity or aesthetics or one of the other ones? Yeah. So we, when we began with the next chapter of NYP, we created 16 concepts and each subject has four concepts that are highlighted in grey in the guide and connected with that subject. Um, and, you know, that can be quite helpful because we need to make sure that these um, four key concepts um, are focused on during our programmes. However, um, there are lots of other exciting um, key concepts, and um, we must remember that the idea of key and related concepts is an MYP construct, that just because um, we've created these key concepts and we've um, given a, um, four to each subject area, doesn't mean that um, a key concept of logic or a key concept of culture or communities um, isn't an important um, conceptual um, understanding that we want to focus on in our units. To be quite honest, I organised by key concept the units on the site because I thought that that was um, um, a very good organiser. Um, and also, I then attempted to take all of the units and organize them by year level. But um, that's more fluid because you actually, with most units, you can adapt them to um, most years of the NYP program. What I have been doing recently is creating some lists, world literature lists, and what occurs to me is that there are texts and topics that are too advanced for our younger students, and therefore we do need to be sensitive when we're creating units to the text that we choose. And it might be that um, some texts, there are some units relating to war, the Holocaust, genocide, for example, on the site that are, I think, more appropriate for older students. Um, so the answer is that um, I have a wider view of concepts than just those four. Um, I like to think that we will engage students with all the concepts um, 
the, all the key concepts and naturally we're going to engage them with the 12 related concepts across the program. And then we'll selectively choose from the um, global contexts. I like to think that across the five years that fairness and development, globalization, science and technology will be in there at least once, but we're never going to engage students with all of the different explorations. So um, I initially I was looking as well to create units that have texts that are readily available. And I think you might have a question for me about that. So I'm going to let you ask that okay. question. Um, that question it's something was, to do with Gothic literature. That's right. So one of the ones um, that I, I noticed that was up there kind of the, the, the first day that I went on to it was around the idea of Gothic literature. And I think the tricky thing is that I know a lot of advice when it comes to switching to NYP is that you take units that you used to have and you try and transition them into this new way of working. And, and sometimes it works really well and other times it doesn't, mainly because if you go through, if you go just by the text, you then, I think I find it hard sometimes to like retrofit a global um, context exploration or maybe even be able to narrow down two of the, disciplinary um uh, uh, the related concepts i should say to it it's almost it's almost easier sometimes to choose the global context exploration and the related um concept and then say what's the best book for this year level that Absolutely. would help to teach towards this but i know that that's not always efficient or convenient given the fact you know we're, we're all busy people and, and you can't make 12 units from scratch um or 16 however many you know you need to you need to make so why why did you choose the gothic one um and how did you ensure that such a unit and such a topic has a conceptual lens that can uh, that connects to the global context and has an authentic assessment and such um well i've i've two parts to what i've got to say um firstly i was very aware after I became a workshop leader and I started traveling around the globe and meeting teachers in different contexts in different schools who um, were tasked with implementing the MYP, that um, not all schools have money and access to texts. Many schools have difficulty ordering texts. Um, many schools don't have the money, so, you know, the more affluent um independent private um, IB schools have and I wanted to create a resource where there was free text there now obviously text um, from the past is free it's uh, openly available um, so there was that intention there to create a resource for teachers who um, couldn't buy text um, and it was there online so they can go there and they can teach the units. So that was one of the aims I had. Um, another aim is um, to move away from the idea of a unit being 
one text and just focusing on uh, a novel study, you know, the, the Lord of the Flies unit, the Great Gatsby unit of Meissen and everything, is to really think about these units from a conceptual lens um, perspective where in the spirit of our program, we have got a balance of um, literary and non-literary, world literature, um, different genre. And around this conceptual lens, we're exploring it through um, different texts and not necessarily a whole novel, but there might be a whole novel there. But um, I'm just thinking of The Great Gatsby, but then The American Dream and um, poetry and non-literary texts within each unit. So it's, it's coming at it from a conceptual perspective and also as far as possible providing, um, you know, I spent a lot of time looking there's a migration unit there looking for film, looking for accounts, looking for articles that many teachers just don't have the time to do, but putting everything in one place. And the website is a work in progress. It's been six years now. And at the moment, it's um, still available free. So anyone listening who's interested, um, you need to sign up quickly because along the way, there will be a subscription as some of the other sites are subscription sites. And um, there is a wealth of material there. And I'm always meeting teachers now who say, oh, I use this unit and that unit and the other unit. So it, it is helpful for teachers to have examples of units that um, have been written by somebody who ticks all the boxes with unit planning, but to have the text available. So that's why, why you'll see Gothic literature is there and we've got magical realism and nature poetry and and so on. Because I specifically am trying to find text um, that schools that can't order texts um, can use. That's Yeah, it's a really good point, actually. We're in quite a privileged situation, every yes. IB school that I've worked in, but... I think, as you were saying before we started recording, like a big area of growth for the IB or NYP is the United States. And um, it's obviously in some parts a very affluent country, and but in other parts, like, you know, dealing with a lot of um, relative poverty on its own. So that, yeah, that is a very nice idea to be able to put texts together, which are not only freely available, but are linked together by some sort of, yeah, threshold concept or, or disciplinary concept or um, global context exploration or something that yeah that's really great um we we do a gothic one uh, unit funnily enough ourselves in year nine and we that's that's part of the reason i asked you about it because it took me a long time to sort of think how can i generate this into sort of turn this into a bit more of an myp unit and stuff and it um it can be done and 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 yeah actually thinking about it now it's it is very lucky that so many of those stories are available um, for free online because a lot of them obviously written in the Victorian era or kind of 20th century and um, they're easily accessible so it's fantastic. Um, I, think I can just say as well I think that there will be a balance of units I mean some of our units will have 
more connection with global contexts mm. and migration units genocide these these units um that uh i've got the danger of a single story there the mm-hmm. speeches with greta and malala that some of our units will connect there very strongly and i mean we're so fortunate we've 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 got so many opportunities for these connections and other units will be more, if you like, the traditional and the Gothic, the poetry, the, the Shakespeare. But I always like to come at my Shakespeare through um, a concept. I love, love um, makes the world go round with Romeo and Juliet. Then we've got love letters and so on. So there will be a balance there. Not everything is about the global context. And and even within that personal cultural expression, um, and so on, we do have this expressive element that we can highlight with our gothic units, our poetry units, and so on. Mm. Um, the the only thing that remains for me to say, Kate, really is thank you very much for giving up your time again. Actually, I didn't mention that at the top of the episode, but you are the to date first returning guest that I've had on in the last. <laughs> episode so um always kind of a pleasure to speak to you about your expertise in nyp which is it is a very very rewarding um phase to teach in it's probably my favorite phase to teach in um but it it, it's also a a challenge in many ways and you need to be prepared and you need to be passionate and and thank you for all your work and support in in helping teachers to to do that well, thank you, Chris, and I wish you a very relaxing holiday. Thanks very much. <laughs>